if it's not just for shits and giggles, you just want to have fun and create or do this thing, you have to find some value that you can provide. Yeah. You should be making the world even the slightest bit, move that needle the slightest bit to be a better place. Welcome to the Anthony Thomas Podcast. I just made my own hype horn. Do you believe in God? Is any religion the way? How can one be so sure that Christianity is the way? This episode, we do things a little bit differently. My high school senior, 18-year-old nephew, Xavier Thomas, wanted to debate on the podcast. So I was like, you got it, dude. I welcomed him, I let him choose the topic, and I let him choose the side. So, as always, thank you for sharing your time with us, and I hope you find something entertaining or valuable here. Please enjoy Xavier Thomas. In the studio with me, we have the world heavyweight WWJD champion of high school named Xavier Thomas of anybody in the world that is my nephew, the reigning world champion. <laughs> what up? Xavier Thomas, this is my nephew. I am, I'm really, really excited to have you on. We have a high school senior, multi-sport athlete, but more importantly, the joke played on the WWJD champion. Yeah. <laughs> it's Shout uh, out to... Um... <laughs> Dang, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jeanette for that one. Uh-huh. Um, I was just going to go with WWE World Heavyweight Champion and try yeah. to be funny, but <laughs> I think we got a better one. You've, you've got to gain a few pounds before yeah. you could be the WWE Heavyweight Champion. All right, so we've got a fun one. This is going to be a little bit different than previous episodes. Slightly, not much. Xavier has been putting in work. You've been putting in a good amount of work in your pursuit of your walk with Jesus. Facts. And you come from a line of ministers. Facts. Couple of grandfathers, preachers, career preachers, father, ordained minister, preacher. Yes. You yourself filling the shoes. Yep. And you haven't even graduated high school yet. No. That's worth noting. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's ambitious. It's, it's something I love to see. It's wonderful. But in all the pursuit of all this and the development of your walk, we have had some many healthy debates. Fair, fair to say. And among these are, as I do, challenge your beliefs. Mm-hmm. I challenge your beliefs, challenge my beliefs. We had Uncle Ryan on here, your Uncle Ryan, my brother. We had Ryan, who is also an uh, individual that lives by that same code of challenging and challenging the beliefs and belief systems that have been in place for however long, whether you just came to this conclusion or it's been in place for a long time, tradition, things like this. That's something I admire deeply in my brother Ryan and your father as well, who has been over the many years of our lives. He's been the one to stand up to a lot of these challenges. And now it's kind of the torch is being passed. To yeah, you. It's my turn. It's your turn. <laughs> and this is pretty cool because there's space to 
explore what you believe, why you believe it. And there's also space to, to further deepen your belief system, you know, in the challenging. That's what I think is a beautiful part of challenging anything you believe. This is the case for relationships. This is the case for your career pursuits. This is, in my opinion, the case for everything. If it is valued and true and it really does stand up to any scrutiny, then I feel like you know you found the right way. Yeah. So this is why it's, it's pretty exciting to have you be open to and wide open throttle on going all in on seeing how things stand up and seeing how things play out. And a lot of these things we don't know the answers to, right? Your mm-hmm. positions, my positions, and part of this is, is chatting through and trying to uncover that even for ourselves, let alone to share with other people like this yeah. on, on a podcast or on a video, right? On, on YouTube, that sort of thing. You got a little video you're capturing here today as well. So we wanted to have a debate. This was your idea. It was. It was my idea. Talk to us a little bit about how this idea even came to be, because this wasn't something I said, oh, hey, let's hop on and have a debate or anything (laughs) like this. We always have these conversations. We always have these talks. And this is something that you brought up to me saying, hey, let's like, what do you think about doing this? How did this come come about? So um, with the the my reason for being on the podcast is to one, expand my um, beliefs and I don't want to say my beliefs, like they're just mine, but um, a belief, a core belief in Christianity is spreading the gospel as far as you can. And you have a podcast, I have a gospel. And so I figured this is a good way to spread it. And um, I don't know, the way that I kind of make sense of things is almost in a sense, like an argument-ish type of debate, I guess you could say. And so with the debate aspect, me, like, that's how I learn. And that's how I make sense of things. And so I just figured maybe there's people out there that are like me, that this will help them. And if there's not, then that sucks. (laughs) 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 And that means that this was absolutely pointless. (laughs) This is just me by myself. Yeah. I'm all alone. No, I am absolutely certain there. I told you this yesterday, actually. We were talking. I don't remember what specifically, but I told you whatever you think you feel alone with or whatever you think is a unique thought or a unique idea or feeling, most likely there's a lot of other people out there that have thought it or felt it and things like this. And that's something important. Mental health note, especially in the era of COVID in the world whatever it is you're going through, this is including your successful moments, your accomplishment moments that also balance out with the really tragic moments or the, the rough moments is whatever it is you're going through and whatever you're thinking, it's not new. Yeah. It's something that many other people, there's more, I always tell people there's likely a dozen books written on whatever it is that you're talking or feeling about. Yeah. Right. So whatever you're feeling, whatever you're talking, this is the same for you, X-Men. You, this right now, this moment and joining in the podcast and wanting to share the gospel in a way that's structured similar or sort of like a debate. Yeah. Now on that a note, healthy debate, a healthy debate on that note, you wanted to do a debate and <laughs> I was going to, I was considering making this uh, kind of a surprise 
situation. I, but I don't want to pull the rug out from under you. I was going to structure this like a proper debate where you obviously have prepared yourself in the four Christianity and for a creator and belief system of Christianity. And so I was going to structure this in a way where you actually had to argue against that. Oh, wow. <laughs> but we're not going to do that today. Okay. That we may be able to, to dive into this uh, in the future on something, but the, in the, in the sake of my keep, sanity of you <laughs> keeping your sanity, especially because you stayed up for many nights preparing <laughs> for this. I did. So we're not going to do, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pull the rug out, but we'll definitely, yeah, we'll dive in. You'll, you'll play the position of, of four and we're going to chat about a couple things, particularly, or at least mostly focused on one, is there a creator? Is there a creator? And two, is Christianity the only way? Now, Obviously, if you've made it this far, obviously, you know, our current political, social environment and things are very triggering to people. And any way you look, people like to get pissed off about this or that or whatever. So we're going to start by saying at no point in any of what we're about to talk about, do we have any intention of causing frustration, harm or discomfort for anybody? Yes. Agreed? Very much agreed. Okay, good. This is all in good fun as well as good exploration of ourselves and our, our values and, again, the pursuit of what we are uh, trying to make sense of in this life and in this world and in the pursuit of our spirituality. Additionally, there are going to be things that are shared or questioned that don't necessarily hold the value or the root of the value of what I believe or my stance, but for the sake of... <laughs> funny enough for this topic, for the sake of playing devil's advocate, <laughs> but for the sake of just, again, probing and questioning and being more thorough in thought, there's going to be questions and, and things like this. This is just how it goes, especially for me. When you're talking debate yeah. and trying to prove a point, there's, there's question after question down the rabbit hole where it's like, well, let's ask this one then, which might not even be a stance that I take necessarily. So don't be offended. Have some fun with this. And as always, if you have any input or any ideas, or any contributions, anything you want to share on this, please, please feel free to reach us. And I would like to say, take what you hear with a grain of salt. Because what we say, one of us could be right, but ultimately, because of what happens today, it does not make one position right or wrong. And so I would just encourage you to do your own research. And um, yeah, be a Christian. Be <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> all right, let's get started. First of all, we got a, a brief intro. Senior in high school, uh, multi-sport athlete, the WWJD, what would <laughs> Jesus do? World heavyweight, light heavyweight world champion. <laughs> let's start, let's, let's jump right in. Is there a creator? Uh, short answer, yes. But um, the reason that I believe there is a creator, one, because... It's what was taught to me from a very young age. But two, um, diving deeper in the in the why does the world work the way it work it does work, I've found that it's almost impossible for there not to be because of how the world is set up, how the universe is, and um the evidence that I've come across just leads me to believe further that there is a creator. Okay. 
Is this this going to conclude your opening statement? Uh, for this topic, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for questions. Okay, okay. So, for one, based on what you were taught growing up, is it possible that you were taught something that is inaccurate? It's very possible, but like I said, in doing my own research, I've found that um, I was brought up to actually dive deeper into what I am taught. And so in doing that, I found that the evidence points to a creator. And what evidence is this? Um, you have the, the fact that um, the universe is expanding. And so that means the universe had a beginning. And if the universe had a beginning, that begs the question, what caused the beginning? And um, everything, people will say, that the universe is infinite. And as I just said, that's not true because it's expanding. It has a beginning, all that. And um, the only logical conclusion that I've come across is to say, yes, there is a creator that put in these, this fine tuning that the, the universe has um, been found to have and that a creator is the only way for that. Okay. Do you have an example in present day life that something of a creator, let's say, you know, I'm thinking an artist, right? That's something that people envision as a creator, a painter. Yeah. Can you, can you give us a, a kind of an analogy of, of this, the painter creating something or even a sculptor or something like this, creating something where there's a beginning and an evolutionary growth of something and that it's expanding or it's growing into the art piece or something that's, uh, I mean, there's the, like you just said, a painter, like you can't have a painting without a painter. You can't have a building without a builder. And um, I, if that's what you're asking, I think that's... Sure, sure. Yeah. But, okay, what about a painting created by a robot? That would still be a outside force that's nice. painting. Yes. Okay. Paintings don't just paint themselves. Right. So there's something that initiates the movement and the, the, everything that's involved to create the painting, whether the painting was physically painted by a painter or somebody created the robot to, they're still a creator of some sort to initiate. This. Yeah. Okay. How do you know this is true though? Well, it's like I said, the, the evidence you can never, pr like you can never 100% prove that there is a creator because people always have the um they'll always have a another way of making sense for it like some people will say that the there's a law that says that creation has to happen and then my question to them would be where does that law come from mm -hmm. and so it people will always try to find different reasons for creation and it to me it just doesn't stand i guess you can say yeah okay so this is something i don't necessarily disagree with there being a creator and i think that a lot of people i've talked to a lot of people that that are non-religious believers of one not just christianity of one religion or another who actually do believe there is a creator mm -hmm. but they don't believe in a religion yeah and it's you know, the argument of, yeah, well, you can create something and then it just goes 
adrift. Like I could build a boat and then just push the boat out to sea and I'm not steering the boat. Yeah. Nobody else is steering the boat. It's just, it's just existing and it's going to live out there for as long as it stays together. Yeah. Right. Until it breaks apart. So is that a possibility that in your opinion, in your research, in what everything that you've conducted, is there a possibility that there is in fact a creator who created and that was the end of their their relationship with the universe? Um, no, because the um, fact that, well, I guess is your question like they could have put it in motion to be fine-tuned forever? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, more, more or less is there... Is there a possibility that there was a creator who just who created and then never had his hands or her hands involved again from that moment on? So a, a basic premise, I believe, in, in Christianity or an assumption, I don't know if premise would be the correct word, but it seems like no matter what version, if you will, of Christianity, right, no matter what denomination, the presumption that God is interactive with our lives. Yeah that that still holds so is it possible that there is a creator who is not interacting with our lives any longer it was literally just set things in motion and then set it and forget it yeah um i really didn't want to bring like personal testimony into it but i think that's really the only way that i can answer this question Mm -hmm. because um Uh, there's many times where I should have made it out of situations that I have made it out of prime example yesterday. uh, I was driving here and a tree just falls on top of my car. And so, um, it's like, hold on, hold on. Let me just reiterate. This is the very first time that Xavier has come to visit me. Yeah. And he's coming down specifically to record this session. (laughs) And I get a call on the, oh no, I called you to check yeah. in. Like, where is this guy? Cause you should have been here by now. I FaceTime you and you're on FaceTime with your dad, yeah. my brother, because you were <laughs> standing on the side of the freeway outside of his car where he had just ran into a tree no, no, on no. the freeway. <laughs> the I tree just- fell. He's watching it. He's watching the tree. In slow motion, in a sense, like I, I described it as you, you, that that poor timing when you're pulling up to the, you're yeah. pulling through the intersection and the light turns yellow and you're like, do I gas? Do I brake? Do I gas? Do I brake? Yeah, that's a perfect example. <laughs> and so he hits the brakes, tree smashes. <laughs> I mean, it says, luckily it wasn't a massive tree. This yeah. isn't, you know, an old growth tree or anything, but a sizable enough tree to do a good amount of damage. Which it did. Which it definitely <laughs> did. Your hood is currently held together by a, a shoestring. <laughs> That's yeah. how you made it down. Anyway, that was on the way here. So we were talking about this. Is this a sign? Um, is this is this a sign, a, a good or a bad omen about this yeah. recording we're about to jump into? I mean, I think, like, again, if I was driving in, like, half a second later the tree falls it hits my windshield yeah and who knows what that does to me right and so um i'm just thankful that in the moment i had sort of a clear mind mm-hmm. and i would believe that that is the hand of god upon me mm-hmm. and so in that sense in personal testimony i would say that the hand of the creator of the universe is still 
active in our world today. Okay. And what about, what do you, what do you have to say to the position that shit happens? Right. I mean, people, people get out of accidents every day. You know, people, believers, non-believers are like, you know, trees fall on people (laughs) while they're on the freeway. (laughs) There's all sorts of things, right? Final Destination, which you've not seen any of these films, but uh, I may be dating myself here. (laughs) No, but, you know, things like this happen to people all the time. And, And there's what could seemingly be interchangeable description. Oh, man, I got lucky. Yeah. Description. Oh, man, I got lucky. Yeah. Or... Oh man, I, I got the grace of God, you know? So how can you be so sure that this is actual interaction or more or less divine intervention? How can you be so sure that this is in fact the creator, the one and only creator, right? Yeah. That's what we're assuming here. Not, not, uh, what is it? Po- poly, omnithe, polytheism, polytheism. Yeah. Where you have many, yeah, poly, yeah. many. Um, many different gods, right? Greek gods and the god of this, god of that. This is the one creator, and that's still the one with the hand in your life and everyone else's life present day. Yeah. Uh, again, it's in that sense, when I hear that question, it just all I think about is personal revelation. And I'm trying to stay away from that, but I don't really know how to answer the question without it. Yeah. But um, I I would say that the fact that you wake up every single day with the oxygen to breathe and just things like that, even surviving a tree attack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's an attack now. It's an attack. (laughs) The attack tree. But yeah, I just answering that question without personal revelation or personal testimony is hard to do because that's in a sense, what God is about is personally revealing himself to the people that are willing. Yeah. Well, I mean, also to your credit, it's pretty hard to make the case of someone mm-hmm. else's subjective experience. Yeah, exactly. Right. Everything yeah. we experience is subjective. So I can, I can appreciate and understand that. Okay. So is there a creator, your, your position? Yes, there is. Is this creator still fully involved with our lives? Yes. This mm-hmm. is your, this is your, your positioning. So what is your take then on fate? Things are, are meant to happen as they are. Oh, I've never thought about that. That's a good question. I like that question. Um, fate in terms of verse, fate versus like... Fate versus... So fate as in your future is already laid out. Mm-hmm. It hasn't revealed itself to us yet because we haven't reached that point on the timeline. Yeah. But it is already laid out. My future and what will happen with me is already laid out. That's fate, right? Yeah. No matter how hard you try or I try or whatever, what's meant to happen is going to happen and it's already mapped out, right? Is your belief that this is the case? Or is your belief that our future is malleable? It's adjustable. It's something we can influence. Well, first of all, I believe in free will. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what I was getting at. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the choices <laughs> that you make now will affect your future. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I think that God knows the future. And in that sense, it's some would say it's set in stone because you can't change it and whatnot. Right. But the decisions you make now are ultimately setting up your future and you have the choice to make 
every choice that you do make, right. if that makes sense. Okay, so we have free will. Mm-hmm. Our future is not necessarily, fate isn't necessarily the thing. Free will is the thing, and fate is more or less a multi-optional future. Yeah. Based on our actions, our, on our behaviors. Is that fair to, is that an accurate summary of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I guess you could say that. I feel like you don't fully buy it's into just that hard to, It's hard to articulate Okay, so the the because I do believe that God knows the future and there's only one future. Okay. But I also believe that every choice that you make can differ your future, if that makes any sense at all. Right. So let me take another stab at this. Okay. God is the dealer, the magician, if you will. He's got the deck of cards. Okay. And he knows the trick. He knows everything that's coming. He knows where the cards are in the deck and he knows how this trick plays out, right? Mm-hmm. You still get the free will to pick what card in the deck. Yeah. You still have the free will and he pick any card, any card, right? Yeah. But he knows how this trick ends. Yeah. You can do all that you want to try and influence this trick, but he knows how it plays out. And like any good magician, there is also their power of influence in guiding you this way or that way right yeah so ultimately the outcome is already laid out and the magician knows the outcome yeah pulls the old one two and here's your card <laughs> bingo bingo bongo. <laughs> i duped every one of you <laughs> but you still have your say in what card to pick and everything yeah. like this right if this is the case then when we look just look back at history right there's many people that did treacherous things by human standards. Yeah. There's extreme, extreme conditions going on today for a lot of people. There's people who were born into slavery. There's people who were sold into slavery. Human trafficking is massive present day. So there's a lot of things like this that were more or less positions that, again, in this card trick analogy, the magician set this up. I see where you're going with this. Okay. So if it is the case that we do have a creator who is involved actively and we do have free will, then is it a, a healthy thing, a good thing to follow a creator who would stack the deck in such a way that people are born into positions of slavery and human trafficking and things even worse than that, if you can imagine such things? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there are those horrible realities for people and um to answer that question i'm gonna say that in the bible when god deals with wicked people oftentimes the question is why does god get to why does god get to kill all these people like in the bible there's this there's this um story of how god judges an entire nation by having the army kill every living thing and people will say, well, why, why does God get to do that? Why does God get to kill every single person? Mm-hmm. And then there's questions like that to where it's like, well, why doesn't God get rid of the evil? And so there's, it's, it's a hard question to answer because when God gets rid of the evil, it's like, why does God get to kill all these people? And when he doesn't, it's like, why does God let this happen? Right. So, so I personally, this is this is probably going to be a, an unpopular opinion, 
(laughs) among many people, but it's also like anything else has supporters that think similarly as well. I do believe in evil. I do believe that there are some people who are just genuinely out performing evil acts consciously choosing to do evil things Yeah, based on human and morality's standards, not not thinking beyond the human existence and human experience. I think there are evil people and I think that they should be stopped. Yeah. And I do subscribe to Malcolm X's positioning on this, which is he, Malcolm X was a man in his obviously post prison life Mm -hmm. uh, who encouraged and lived in such a way that was very much in favor of follow the laws, be a lawful citizen and all these things. But the moment that somebody steps out of line, the moment somebody puts their hand on you or your family or anything like that, you absolutely crush them. More or less. That's kind of my own verbiage for it. But, okay. but I'm, I'm of that mindset because there is evil out there, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are people who do terrible things. And if, if you can't imagine that, then you can't prepare for it. Yeah. Right. So in this example that you give of, of God in the Bible and the battles that he would go in and just wipe an entire nation and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say the entire people of this place are evil, but if you look at a nation state compared to another nation state in terms of an individual level, then maybe you can place that judgment and con- just make like a conglomerate of this nation as a people, right? Well, really, it's not because in in terms of God's moral law, we're all evil and we've all broken that law and in his sight since he is such a perfect god he can't stand the sight of evil and that's why when there is judgment it's on the entire entirety of nations and whatnot because they are they are evil okay so what they were doing they would um in that specific case that i was talking about the nation for 400 years were sacrificing their own children on like this statue of a bull and they would just heat it up and watch their children basically burn on it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that judgment comes from because that entire nation was doing that. Right. And they were all evil. Right. So I'm going to look at this in a similar way of how you explain your, your walk with God. Let's say you were born in that nation. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything you learned and all of the influence around you was everything that you are surrounded by, which is saying, hey, our way of the world and the way that the world works and in order for our nation to keep thriving, we have to make sacrifices. And those sacrifices come in the way of placing our newborn babies on this bull and heating the bull up, right? Yeah. That's all you know. That's the, all the knowledge and info and everything, the input, the data that you receive you don't have differing opinions or outside sources to consider. You're just like, this is just how life is. Yeah. How can you call that evil when your only source of reference is that you don't have exposure to other things? How can you be so certain that that's evil? Well, we have, we have the law, the moral law written on our hearts, which is the (sighs) 10 commandments. Oh, that's bars. (laughs) Yeah. So inherently, we know what's right and wrong. Like, you know, that being a good member of society is a good thing to do. Okay. Let me pause you there. Mm -hmm. A good member of society in that society, 
that was what good members do is they sacrifice in order for like, I even think of, you know, like Aztecs or a lot of different societies throughout history make sacrifices based on the knowledge that they have at the time, whether that's, you know, put this human up for sacrifice in order for the whole nation to live because we truly believe in history has shown us and the, the, the proof so far is that if we sacrifice a human to the gods, then we will not experience a drought that wipes out tens of thousands or millions of people. Yeah. Therefore being a good person in society states that either you volunteer yourself to be that sacrifice or you sacrifice somebody else. And it's being a good member in society is to follow those rules. Cause that's the social norm. That's the societal norm. Yeah. So, so if it's written on your heart to have these, you know, the, the 10 commandments being written on your heart by simple birth or the, the human experience, I feel like there's room that that could be varied based on the society and the input that you have. Right. But you're saying what it sounds like you're saying is no matter where you're born and what, or what you're born into, you know, more or less right yeah. from wrong. That's, that is exactly what I'm saying. And I think too, um, I should go back on my words and not say good member of society because I myself don't believe that any one of us are inherently or not inherently good. I don't believe that any of us are good in general. I think we all uh, have sinned and fallen short. And so for me to say that a good member of society was kind of not even what I necessarily believe. Mm-hmm. And um, to go back, what was the what was your second point about them? Oh, the, like in their society. Yeah. So I would say that it's not about what is in your head. It's what is in your heart. So you see, if I see you go out and murder seven people and that's what I grow up around, I still know in my heart that that's not what I should be doing. But in my head, it's like, well, this is the only way that I know to survive is by murdering other people. Okay. Do you have an example of 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 this experience like even a personal account do you have an example where you just knew before you were taught you just knew let's say before you were taught the mm-hmm. 10 commandments or before you were taught insert anything else that would be justified as ethical behavior right do you have an example where you just go mm, something's off here this is how yeah. things are operating but it's off here but it was something that you were never taught Okay. I think yesterday we talked a little bit about this. You talked about how the feeling of like selling out Mm -hmm. is just a weird feeling. And like, you don't want to sell people a product that you yourself don't necessarily believe in. Absolutely. 100%. I think that that's because people do that. Mm -hmm. And I I agree with your position that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you necessarily had to be taught that. It's just something that you feel is not right. Am I reaching I, by saying that? I think that's, that? I think that's, I, I feel honored, but, <laughs> I, but I can't claim that. No, not at all. There's for sure, there's for sure messaging behind that feeling, right? There's for, for starters, this depends entirely on the weight of what's important for me. It's very important to be honest and truthful. So anytime, like I, the, the story of the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. That is a story that has shaped my life so much. Really? Oh, for sure. I'll explain why. 
I used to, and I still love pranks. I love good <laughs> pranks. I love pranking people, but I don't do it unless yeah. I can find, there's a tiny window where everybody wins in the prank. And those are the pranks that I will do. For example, I, I saw somebody the other day online, they, they, they did something that was a fun, like a, a weird laugh prank. And the prank was they were pretending like they're on the phone and they're walking behind a couple or they're going down the escalator and there's a couple right in front of them. And they just do this really, really ridiculous laugh. Like a picture, like a really burly grown man. And he's on the phone and he's like, oh yeah, no, no way. No, <laughs> right. And, and, and it's like the people in front turn around and they see this big burly man laughing like this. And they're like, no way. And then yeah. he does it again while he's on the phone, you know, everybody's laughing mm-hmm. and nobody's hurt. Yeah. Nobody causes, you know, some level of distrust from there or anything versus pranks that are at someone else's expense. You know, those are things that even though I still find a lot of those hilarious, I also I see the damage that's done. And it it is like the boy who cried wolf. Eventually, if you keep doing these things, your word is not going to hold value when you really need it to. And if you keep deceiving people in a way, even if it isn't good fun, if it's at their expense, ultimately you start to lose value as a person of uh, being a trustworthy person, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm like, damn, as much as I love to laugh and I love pranks and all these things, especially, I mean, think about it. I I grew up with two older brothers, right? I was the youngest of three boys, five and seven years older than me. I had to keep up somehow, you know? So Mm -hmm. pranks, I used to prank them and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It was a blast. But the story of the boy who cried wolf, it's like, he comes, hey, wolf, wolf, wolf. And by that time, he really needs people to understand and believe it. Everybody's like, yeah, here he goes again. Yeah. Here he goes again. It's the nonsense, right? So for me, that's a very, very valuable lesson in life, right? Mm -hmm. This ties into where I've been in the modeling acting world now for close to a decade. And I've watched the progression and the growth of the influencer, (laughs) right? The social media influencer. I've watched this and I've lived through this and it's more or less in my industry, or at least they overlap in some ways. I've watched so many people over the years sell out for something they really don't like. And I think there is, you have to draw the line somewhere for yourself. You have to draw the line at like, okay, this is a product or this is a service or this is a brand that I don't love, but I don't hate. So it's, you know, they're going to write me a paycheck, then okay, I'll toss it out there. For some people, they'll do that. Mm -hmm. For me, one of my principles when, when brands or anything reach out to me for something is I, I tell them straight up and I talked to you about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. I am not going to give a dishonest review of the product. Yeah. If you want me to do this, it's going to be completely genuine. Yeah. And I'm going to be completely honest, good, bad, ugly, whatever. And then I give them the opportunity. If you still want me to do this, I will let you know and I'll show you the, the review video or whatever it is. I'll let you know the honest take on it and you can decide whether you want to use it or not. Yeah. That usually, I would say over 90% of brands that reach out to me for this, that turns them away. That turns them off right away. Yeah. And there's something powerful in that, right? Because like we talk about all the time, you have to add value to people. Whatever it is that you're doing or you're trying to put out there, if it's not just for shits and giggles, you just want to have fun and create or do this thing, you have to find some value that you could provide. Yeah. You should be making the world even the slightest bit, move that needle the slightest bit to be a better place, right? So in the essence of me determining 
is that selling out? Is it not? It, it is the experience of, oh, you know what? I, I don't hate the brand. So yeah, I'll take a couple bucks and put a little blurb out there for people to, to see it and try to kind of promote it. Is that something that is just intrinsic in me and just in my heart? Or is it something learned? It is for sure learned. And it's learned by looking at people when they've been deceived. Mm-hmm. And it's looking at myself for what it was like to be deceived and try to make sense of that. Yeah, And it's learning that deception is not a healthy thing. Yeah. So it matters what you place on this hierarchy. Is it important for you to get a buck and to get money and put put uh, meals on the table? You know, make sure the lights turn on and pay your bills and everything. Is that the priority? Mm-hmm. Or is staying true to yourself, no matter how dirt poor you are, the priority? It depends on what you hold to be valuable and what you're taught to be valuable and what you what you accept to be valuable, right? As you're, we talked about this too, you, you know, you're 18 years old, you get to start to determine what type of person do you want to become? Not what, yeah. not what I wanted you to become, not what your parents wanted you to become, not what anybody else, what type of person do you admire that you want to become? If you can use that as a measuring stick, as opposed to being taught that, hey, I don't care what you become, but you better get this money. Yeah. Those are going to determine your behaviors vast, vastly different ways a lot of the time. Okay. That's a learned thing. Mm-hmm. That's not something that I just had on my heart. That's observing through time and seeing what I like and dislike and then measuring for myself what, what, what feels right based on what I see in society and compare it to that society over there. What do they do differently than we do? And what feels right over there that we don't do that I now go, oh, I have something to compare this to. What we've been doing is actually wrong. Yeah. These are all learned things. It's not something that was just on my heart to feel this. There's so much influence from birth, even before birth, especially, you know, I'm speaking for, I have a six month old now and the whole experience of that is like, damn, Mm -hmm. he's already influenced by so much. Yeah. Right. So the question to bring it back around is how can you be sure and, and what is the proof or what's your experience or how can you justify that these 10 commandments or your morality or knowing right from wrong is just felt in the heart. Even when the brain says, no, logically, you should go chase that money, put that food on the table. <laughs> well, like you said, um, you have this, you don't like to see people when you were talking about pranks, you said you don't like to see people like you don't like to make you don't like, what was it? You don't like to deceive. No, it was, it was when you were talking about pranks, like you were talking about, you don't like to make pranks at the expense of people's. Right. What was it? Yeah. Like at the expense of people, like make them the butt of a joke. If it's a prank that everyone can laugh at, laugh at. Yeah. And it's not embarrassing to them. It's not, you know, putting that person in the spotlight for everyone else to laugh at. Like that's great. Everybody else gets to laugh. But what about this person? How are they feeling? Because they didn't sign up to be part of this big experience that everybody else enjoys and they hate, you know? So So I would say if there is no morality written on our heart, when then what's wrong with making the joke at the expense of someone's feelings? Like why, why, why does their feelings matter if there is no uh, morality? Well, and that's my point. In some, in, in some belief systems, whether you were taught it or you structured it yourself, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that doesn't even fall in line of like, yeah, this is, you know, our code of ethics. It doesn't matter. If you're getting money, 
doesn't matter if somebody else is a little embarrassed. Right? Yeah, but I'm saying what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? Yeah. Because, like, you don't want to make the joke of at the expense of somebody's feelings, right. but they don't care. So what's wrong with what they do if they want to embarrass somebody? Or to take it beyond that, like, why it is, why is necessarily uh, i first of all i'm gonna say what hitler did was terrible but if there is no morality then what's wrong with what hitler did i second that what he did was terrible and that's a very extreme understatement what's wrong depends on your your structure of measure right if like there's a quote what's what's normal to the spider is chaos to the fly what (laughs) what's normal to the spider is chaos to the fly essentially what that means is in certain situations there's there's two sides and it may be completely normal to one side and then it might be completely traumatic and tumultuous to the other side even though it's super normal right the spider might wrap something up and eat it catch it in its web every week Mm -hmm. but to that fly this is the first and only time this has happened and it's completely chaotic for them. It's trauma. It's insane. It's beyond that, right? So depending on what your measuring stick is, depending on your basis for what is moral, what is not, that's what determines. So in like in philosophy of ethics, when you start talking about the ethics of something, there's a challenging pursuit of, and pursuit of thought of, are there universal morals, Right. Are there things that it's, hey, across any culture or anything, this is the the line of morality. And one of the closest things that I found in, you know, studying this was that murder is removing the autonomy of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Autonomy being somebody's free will, somebody's ability to choose what they do, how they do it in life and everything. When you murder somebody, you take away that ability for them to do that. You're making this decision that isn't, it's a definite outcome for that person, right? They mm-hmm. make a choice of it, then whatever. So seemingly that is the universal immoral thing to do. But again, like to what I was saying earlier, there are evil people, mm-hmm. right? There are, there's a lot of evil out there. What about murdering them to save 10 million people? Well, that's what I'm, that's kind of what the question is, is why does saving the 10 million people why is that necessarily a good thing? Or why is that overall a good thing, I should say? Why is that overall a good thing? Yeah. It would be based on, again, based on your measure of, of morality. So, But you're saying me, to murder that one person to save the 10, mil, 10 million, 10,000, whatever it is. Yeah. Why does saving the 10,000 matter? Why does it matter? Yeah. Like if there is no morality, why does, why does 10,000 people dying? Why is that such a bad thing? Well, if there is no morality, I wouldn't argue that that is a bad thing. It's just a thing. <laughs> if there's no morality, there's no measure of good or bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if there's no morality, then <clears throat> it's not a good or bad thing. That's, that wouldn't be assigned to it. It seems like it would just be a thing that happened. It wouldn't be a good thing that happened or a bad thing that happened. It would just be a thing that happened. Exactly. So, so that's what I'm saying is why if... Yeah, so if there is no morality, then it's not good or bad. Correct. But we would say that that is a bad thing to kill 10,000 people. Agreed. But the reasoning, what we're getting at here is 
you're stating that that's just born into us at the heart without mm-hmm. being taught. And what I'm saying is, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that's, I don't think that's entirely true. I think that it's more so the case when you're talking nature versus nurture, this is more of a nurtured thing. It's more of a learned thing to say, this is good. This is bad. You, you use the, the 10 commandments as the measuring stick of what's good or bad, right? Or more broadly, the Bible of what's Mm -hmm. good or bad. That's the learned thing. If you never had any idea that Christianity exists or, or the Bible or Jesus or anything, if you were never exposed to that, what you're stating is your heart would be able to say, would come to the same conclusion as the 10 commandments without ever being exposed to it. You're you're saying your heart would just say, you know what? I've narrowed it down. (laughs) And these are the things that are okay. And these are the things that are not okay. And it was just on my heart. Nobody taught me this. I was never exposed to it. You're saying that universally everybody has that, right? That is what I would believe, yeah. Okay. How can that be? Because the creator has written that on our hearts. That's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. And how can you be sure of this if you haven't experienced or seen, or maybe you have. Have you ever met somebody that was never exposed to Christianity that was like, boom, this is my, these are my my methods of, of judging ethics and morality as a human in this world is, and and then you go, wow, you know, that's actually the 10 commandments. Well, yeah, that's what I would, I think that people innately are drawn to do good. Like I would say that most people want to do what is good. I agree with that. And so my question would just be, where does that desire come from? The desire to do good? Yeah. I would argue that that comes from the feeling you get. So the, the, the actual nervous system response to behaving. And why does the nervous system respond like that? Largely because of social influence. When really? You're, when, yeah. When you're, I mean, you see me interacting with a little man in there, right? When he smiles, I get happy, smile, give that good energy that encourages him to keep doing it. That's the response to his behavior. That's my encouragement of doing this to where he goes, oh, I like that. Or even think of training a dog, right? Mm-hmm. When, when Mowgli does something that is bad, he's chewing on a sock, then we sharply let him know that's not okay. Hey, stop, drop it, whatever, right? Something that startles him and that startle doesn't feel good. It's like yeah. when you get scared or you get spooked or something, even if it's something totally safe, even there was never anything to be scared of, whatever, it doesn't feel good, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to teach somebody to be happy or or you don't have to teach somebody how to be happy or how to get scared. Like, those are things that just happen. Sure. And that's why I think that when you're saying that the nervous system responds in a certain way, like, if I do something that feels good, I'm going to keep doing it. And yeah. in, the most sen- in most cases, it would be from the the acts of doing good. Okay. What about then, if that's the case, what about people who love violence? Well, that's why I said in most cases. Well, there's a lot of people that love yeah. violence or love lying. There's mm-hmm. a thrill. When you lie and you get away with it, there's a thrill. Or what about stealing? 
people love it's like boom i stole this thing and i got it for free i didn't even have to exchange my time for dollars to be able to pay for this thing and that feels good and it's thrilling or what about drugs when people are doing drugs and it's like oh man i'm <laughs> you know i'm high i, I got this fix yeah. and these all feel good to the the nervous system mm-hmm. right so what's the explanation for because those are sins mm-hmm. well there's there's uh what, what's the word like something that's like we teach people that humans have 10 fingers, 10 toes, mm-hmm. but obviously there's people that don't have 10 fingers, 10 toes. They right. have 11 or 10 or 11 <laughs> or nine or whatever it, the case is. Right. And so there's the, there's the outliers. That's what, first outliers. of all, that's yeah. that. like, I'm not saying if you have 10 fingers, 10 toes, you're sinning or nothing like, or um 11 fingers, 11 toes, you're sinning or anything like that. But I'm saying that there is those, um, outlier cases to where yeah it's like people do bad things right but i also believe that people in their hearts know that it's wrong okay i see (laughs) so this is where i think this is where i think we've got to try to unpack a little bit here okay if you think that that is just known in the heart you know that stealing is just known in the heart to be wrong then what about and i'm gonna go back in time a little bit here what you know what about nomadic societies they travel around and stealing is literally their livelihood it doesn't just feel good to get away with it it literally provides nourishment for the family and everything and you're back at the fire you stole this you stole that whatever and you're like oh man what a day a successful day Mm -hmm. we fed our whole tribe everybody here is they're feeling good. They're looking good. We live to see another day and we made this successful stealing and there's zero feeling of that being bad. In fact, when they try to steal and don't succeed, that's what feels bad. But when they succeed in stealing, and I think of this even in the animal kingdom, right? When hyenas go and steal a kill from lions or something and it's like, oh, they're all hyping and like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You know, laughing, the hyenas are thrilled. It's, it's that, that feeling of success for stealing yeah there's no part of that feeling that says oh man maybe what we're doing is wrong guys but what you're saying is no that feeling is there for these people even though there's no exposure to that i i don't really know how to answer that because i do think that down in your heart like even you say for those people there is no remorse i just think that they would have remorse like i drew i truly believe that they know that what they're doing is wrong okay and can I don't you really, imagine oh go ahead i don't really know how like i, I just can't really explain how it works i okay. guess <laughs> that's I all right so let me ask you this mm-hmm. can you imagine just literally can you imagine a society or a place where maybe stealing doesn't feel bad unless you're taught that it does or where violence doesn't feel bad unless you're taught that it's bad. Can you imagine a society like this or existence like this? I I can't because I believe that in everybody's heart there is that even if, even if they choose to ignore it, I do believe that that feeling is still there. Okay. So you think it's just embedded the 10 commandments embedded in everybody's heart from birth, even before birth, whatever, it's just there. And it's our choice to either ignore that or to pursue that. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. I see. Do you know the Ten Commandments? 
by heart. Yeah. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay. Love the Lord. Oh, that's, uh, don't put, don't put any other God before the Lord. Um, number two. Oh man, this is, <laughs> you put me on the spot. I do know them. I swear I know them. I'm just so nervous right now. <laughs> that is, it's like hard to think. Um, so it's basically don't put any idols above God. Uh, don't lie, cheat, or steal. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Six. Four more. Oh, man. This is going to look really bad on me. <laughs> hey, you know what? Don't feel bad. I'm certain there's boatloads of people that don't know all Ten Commandments. I'm certain. But I guarantee you I'll know when I break one. Oh. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, and just like that, you <laughs> he <sang>. recovers. <laughs> he recovers. What a recovery. Oh, that is that is so good. All right. Um. <laughs> all right so i'm gonna pull the, i'm gonna read these off this is off wikipedia because i don't know these either okay. I, I mean you know like yeah thou shalt not kill steal lay with thy wife someone else's wife all this yeah. stuff right but this is off of uh wikipedia uh <laughs> wait a minute this seems like a bit more than okay thou shalt have no other gods before me mm-hmm. thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image mm-hmm Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. How did I not get that one? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Remember the Sabbath day to Mm -hmm. keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness against thy neighbor, Mm -hmm. not covet, and I am the Lord thy God. Wait, let me backtrack and yeah. say that the the law written on our hearts is the law that Jesus goes over in the uh in Matthew I think it's Matthew 5 or Matthew 6. It's called the um the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. And that's Oh, that's the, what you preached on recently. I did? Isn't that what you preached at uh your papa's church? Oh no, that was like the armor of God. Oh, but I thought you I think you cited the I Sermon might have. on the Mount. Yeah. But yeah. And oh, I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry. Good job. <laughs> nice one. Well, you were you were saying instead of the Ten Commandments being on everyone's heart, it's the word from the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, because Jesus goes over the Ten Commandments and says what they actually mean. Because people were taking them and trying to make them more extreme than they were. Or in some cases, they it was like um, they were, they had it mis- Conscrewed, I guess you can say. Can you say that last part one more time? Misconscrewed? <laughs> Did I say it wrong? <laughs> Misconstrued. Misconstrued? Yeah. With a T? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I thought. But I like... think I didn't have to spell it. <laughs> Jeez. I actually. <laughs> I actually like misconstrued more because it just like, makes it, sense. It's, yeah, it's screwed up. Yeah, you like, screwed yeah, it you up. Mis- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is gold. Okay, <laughs> misconstrued. Okay, all right. So we're we're already we're already at about an hour. Yeah. So normally this is 
normally I don't go this long, but we'll we'll dive into a little bit here. I don't. I I think we had some fun with that portion of things, but yeah. let's get to this. Is a piece that I wanted to to dive into as well. Again, when we started this, I was jokingly gonna have us swap roles where I yeah. had to convince, right? But we didn't do that. So you're holding the position that Christianity, specifically, mm-hmm. of all the religions out there, Islam, mm-hmm. Hinduism, mm-hmm. Buddhism, mm-hmm. Pastafarianism, whatever that is. <laughs> Shout out to my Pastafarians, first of all. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Of all of the options mm-hmm. of of spiritual pursuits in the form of religion. Yeah. Why is Christianity the way? Um, Hold on. Let me back that up. Why is Christianity the only or the true way? Well, first of all, um, I'm going to say if Jesus did rise from the dead, then that makes Christianity true because that means that what Jesus taught, how Jesus lived and how Jesus died is really true. But if he did not rise from the dead, then Christianity is false. Okay. And so if you can prove that that Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you have successfully disproven Christianity. But what, what I believe makes it true is I believe Jesus did rise from the dead. And Jesus himself taught that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. And it's clear in many other places in the Bible from what the apostles taught, from what Jesus himself taught, that there is no other way. How do you, what's the, how do you know that Jesus has risen? There is, I'm very glad that you asked this because this is the one, one of the only ones that I was super confident about (laughs) because so, um, I forgot to do, I think it's Pluto was a philosopher. Yeah. Yeah. Greek philosopher. There's 40 documents of him being alive just alive, not even what he taught. There's 40 documents of him being alive. Pluto. Yeah. Okay. And, or 40 manuscripts that are from like the first or from when he was around. Like Plutonic teachings or, or just sightings of Pluto? Like, I think it's even just sightings of him. Okay. And with the case of Jesus, there's over 4,000 of Jesus being alive Mm -hmm. and him resurrecting and seeing others. And Jesus went to... After he resurrected, he went to 500 people, like 500 people saw him and they wrote about it as well. So let me ask you something. What's up? What if I don't buy that Pluto existed? Well, then you're just denying an <laughs> evidence that <laughs> is historical. Yeah, you're just like the whole can, Western society yeah. based around some <laughs> platonic, <laughs> platonic teachings. Yeah, and, you just completely uh, disregard, yeah. I guess, physics at that point. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> not physics. physics, not physics. Um, what is it, philosophy? <laughs> yeah, well, he was a philosopher. Pluto is a philosopher. Okay. Yeah. So. But I, I don't know if you're, I'm assuming when there, there was a Pluto, but I'm assuming you're talking about Plato. Plato. Yeah. That's what oh. it was. <laughs> Whoops. I was hoping you were going to catch that, but it seemed like you were done. No, Pluto was, the, was what I was going for. I know Pluto, what I said. Pluto, was, that was Goofy's dog, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. Was Pluto. it Goofy's? Mickey's? Pluto? I don't know. Mickey's dog. I don't know. It's, no, it was Goofy's. Goofy was a dog. Yeah. Okay. So 
when you say resurrected, I need a, a, a breakdown of resurrection because okay. the, the current calendar that we run on, right? 2022 AD after the death of Jesus mm-hmm. and you know, the BC calendar, I think, what is this? The Gregorian calendar? I think it is. I have no clue. Anyway, what, what is the difference or what's the defining difference of 2022, 2030 years ago when Jesus was around and living and roaming the earth, mm-hmm. doing his thing, teaching here, teaching well, I th- there. I think Jesus was technically born in 4 AD. Okay. I think. Okay. Well, ballpark it. Just play with me here. Regardless okay. of the date, he lived roughly 2,000 years ago. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Our dude, Jesus. Our dude. <laughs> <laughs> My dude. Yeah. All right. So Jesus lived then. And then he died on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. When and where or how did he resurrect? So he dies on, I think it was called Golgotha. And seven days later he rose, right? No, three days later. Three days later, that's right. Yeah, three days later, the, um, Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, and somebody else was there, I'm pretty sure. They went to the tomb and found that the tomb was empty. And they saw an angel... I think it was on top of the tomb and it said the person you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth has risen meaning that he got up from the dead and <laughs> went about and fulfilled his duty he just got up and went about <laughs> he even took a little stroll <laughs> just out for a little stroll around the bet. town <laughs> okay so go on <laughs> But yeah, where was I? Okay, so he 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 goes for a stroll. Yeah. And um first the the he appears to his disciples who see him three days later risen from the dead. And he continues to be like going around um appearing to people for forty days. And then after the forty days, he ascends into heaven and that's how it goes. What a sign Point off. blank period. And that's how it goes, folks. <laughs> that's how it goes. That's so, all, folks. Okay, so all these all these accounts that he rose and all that stuff. Like, let mm-hmm. me ask you this. <clears throat> Have you heard of a dead ringer? No. All right. A dead ringer, it, it was a term that was used to describe someone, like doppelganger. You, you would know it as a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Like, dang, that person looks exactly like so-and-so, right? Mm-hmm. And a dead ringer was brought about as a term because... Back in the day when there was the graveyard shift, you worked at a graveyard literally overnight. Somebody would be around waiting because when people would get buried, they would get buried with a string tied to their finger. And that string would be through the tomb up into the above ground portion of the cemetery attached to a bell. Mm -hmm. And because people were getting buried while they were still alive, but it seemed like they were dead. Like they might've been just really ill or what, you know, whatever. So they'd get buried. And when people were alive and they started moving, the bell would start ringing. And then, you know, you work in graveyard shift, you go like, Oh damn, this person we buried is actually still alive. You know? <laughs> so you got to go and get to work and dig them up. Yeah. But it was a dead ringer because it's like, damn, this person is dead, but they're actually not dead because they, we, we saw, we buried this person and now they're walking around. It's like, yeah. that's a dead ringer, you know, yeah. like they're, they're the doppelganger, but it's really them. Mm-hmm. In this event, people would be buried for whatever length of time. How confident are we that three days and you know, present day, you watch a lot of videos on the internet. 
Three days is a long time. People been getting, you know, people get knocked out, put to sleep in UFC, and they yeah. they sleep for a good half hour, yeah. or even longer, right? Is it possible that Jesus didn't actually die? No, it's not possible. But hear me out. <laughs> he was just unconscious or ill from the treacherous experience of his cross-bearing time. That is not a possibility because when you die, I think it's after 30 minutes, this liquid starts to form in you. I don't know what it's called, but it's like almost a watery type liquid. And when they went to see if Jesus was dead, they stabbed him in the side and Damn, that liquid. That's how they even check. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> well, for, for him, yeah, because they, they didn't break his legs because they thought he was already dead. Usually you die from suffocation on a cross because they would break your legs and your arms are like up in the air. You're like this, you can't breathe anymore. And so um, usually that's how people died was from suffocation. But Jesus, they didn't break his legs because they saw that he's already on. They thought he was just unconscious, but they wanted to make sure. So they stabbed him in a place in your side to where if you're not dead, you'll die in like 30, 30 seconds or something like that. And then that liquid that proves that you're actually dead came out of him. Hawaiian punch. <laughs> what? Is that the liquid? Was it Hawaiian punch? No, I forgot what it's called. Oh, it's like a watery thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you're, you're saying there's no chance. I mean, three days was the amount of time before he was died. Before he was died. Before he died. <laughs> and it was risen. No, he was dead on the cross. Yeah. And then three days later, he rose. Yeah. Right. So you're saying it's no possible chance that he was alive, in fact, on the cross and then just woke up like a dead ringer. Yeah. Okay. And this is the proof that Christianity is the way. If, yeah, if Jesus did in fact die and raise, come back from the dead, then it is true. How do you explain people like David Blaine? What do you mean? Or Chris Angel. Like in terms of escape artists? Yeah, escape well, like artists, I said, Jesus. illusionists. Like what if he was just the epic, like he was the David Blaine of the era? You would have to explain to me how how he learned what he learned because that's an absurd accusation, I would say. How, I'm just tossing <laughs> ideas here, spitballing. Yeah. How did Houdini learn to be one of the greatest to ever do it? Yeah, but for, for back then, I mean, I don't know what magic they were performing back then, but everyone was watching and I get, I know everybody watches them like escape and whatnot, but everybody was watching Jesus and him being stabbed in the side. Everybody watched that liquid come out of him that proves that he was dead. So, and they were all mocking him, telling him that if you come, if you come down right now, we'll believe in you. And he stayed up there. So if he, if he wanted to prove that he could escape, he very well could have, but he didn't do that. Well, maybe that was just part of being a showman. That's good showmanship, right? What a great showman. It's a great yeah. show. Just the world's greatest showman of all of history. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, is that a possibility? I would just say no, because... Yeah. Okay. The, the context in the Bible, everyone, like everybody there was saying, if you come down right now, we'll believe in you. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do that because he knew, like he knew if he stayed on the cross, it would be... Um, he would be able to save everybody. Like whoever came to believe in him would be saved, not just the people there. And they ended up being saved after he died. The, Why wouldn't he want to save everybody though? Huh? Why wouldn't he want to save everybody? He, he does want to save everybody. 
and they were they got saved after they saw him die yeah they were like holy crap we just killed the savior yeah that's how it went <laughs> point blank period point that's blank how it went. <laughs> went out for a stroll <laughs> came out of the grave we're walking around he's walking about <laughs> so catching he's, some fish so jesus is out and about he's drinking wine well, it was water first. And then, well, you know, turns it into wine. Yeah, he's a little party animal. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, why is that the defining factor, and not, let's say, Islam or Buddhism or any other of the thousands of religions out in the world? Why is that such a clear defining thing in Christianity that doesn't hold true in any other religion? Because, well, first of all, Christianity. Like to be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. Right. In Islam, they don't, some, some people will say Jesus, like he escaped somehow. Some people will say that he just never died. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, so they're, they're, this is similar to my theory of yeah. being a magician or an illusionist. <laughs> a, no, no, the okay. great Houdini. Yeah. But okay, yeah, go on, go on. there's just, um, and then what was I going with it? I lose my train of thought so easily. <laughs> but, okay. um, it probably doesn't help with my yeah. So yeah, Islam will say that he escaped, or some will say the disciples took his body, and that's why the grave was empty. Mm-hmm. And it's just the fact that he appeared to five hundred people after being clinically dead. I don't know if that's the right term, but yeah. like legit dead, and coming back to life, appearing to five hundred people, and staying alive for forty. Day- I mean, he's still alive, but he stayed on the earth for forty days, and then ascended into heaven with many people watching Mm -hmm. is and then the fact that the disciples who became apostles were willing to they themselves go across the world and eventually be tortured and died teaching what they saw like would you go out and get tortured get thrown in jail or for a lie that you believed or not a lie that you believe for a lie that you made up what if you believed it? What if you genuinely believed it? I and mean, then, yeah, I mean, if for, well, for 12 of them to completely abandon their old religion and what they believed and like what Jesus did completely not went against what their religion was because he was the fulfillment of their religion, but they had something else in mind that the Messiah, they would think that the Messiah was a great warrior or they would think that the Messiah would come at the very end of the age. And well, so, if if this gentleman single handedly would wipe out nations, I would call that a wonderful warrior. I mean, he he will. That's a, <laughs> he will. That's a warrior. Yeah, right he there. will. That's what people thought though. Is they yeah. they saw the prophecy or they heard the prophecies of when he comes back a second time, mm-hmm. and they were attributing those factors to him that he did not come. He the first time he did not come to wipe out nations. He did not come to bring judgment upon the world. Right. That's the second time he comes. Mm. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) He's like, oh, okay. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go pop the trunk. I'm going to come come back. Pretty much. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is is why Christianity is the way. Why is that? I still don't have clarity on why why not Islam or why not Buddhism, right? Because why why not Buddhism? Why why couldn't Buddhism be the way? Because it's not about following Jesus and accepting Jesus as the Lord. Right. That's what salvation is, is when you accept Jesus as Lord. Based on Christianity. No, you, you can take away the word Christianity 
and it's still just following Jesus. Right. But salvation, what, what about salvation in the sense of Buddhism? Let's say, I would say there is none. the only Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. Mm-hmm. And so if Jesus really was a true teacher and really did what he said he was going to do and really did what I think he did, then that means that Christianity is true. And that means that it is following Jesus is the only way. Can you have more than one truth? No, no, no. Are you sure? Yeah. How can, how can you have more than one truth? I guess. Well, how tall are you? Six, two. You're six, six foot two. I'll say six, one. Okay. Cause I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Six, two with your hair. Yeah. So I don't like six, four. You gotta give me some <laughs> so credit. You're, you're, <laughs> so you're six, one. Yeah. So is it true that you are over six foot and under seven foot tall? But those are the same. That's one truth still. That's not two different truths. Those are those truths correline with each other. Correline. Correlate. <laughs> Why bad? <laughs> That's another. I like it. Get well, I'm just making you a fool out of myself. <laughs> no, no, I like it. I like it. You just it's but, the evolution of the language. Yeah. They correline. Yeah, one day people will be saying correline. Listen, baby, I was trying to talk to you. You know, I see you doing your thing. I'm doing mine. I was hoping we could correline. You know, yeah. if that's cool with you. <laughs> so, but those are those are two different those are two different they're truths. Two different, no, they're two different statements, true. but the same truth. What's the tr- okay? The it. truth is, I am six foot one. Yes, but it, I I guess in the sense where you're saying this is also true, but when Jesus says that there is no other way to the Father except through me, right? His truth claim cannot be true with somebody that says there my way. Like, okay, no, it's not Jesus. It's We'll say Siddhartha Katama Buddha. It's Buddha that we get to the through the Father. Those two cannot be true at the same time. Those are contradictory beliefs, and mm-hmm. those are contradictory statements. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Is it possible that Jesus was the VIP at the club, and he had the guest list, and you could be on the guest list to get into the club, but Jesus also had a homeboy that he's like, hey. You know, my homeboy's got a couple couple spots on his guest list also. I think Either on that guest list or mine, you're gonna get in the club tonight. No, that's not how it, that's not how it works. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll give you that. I'm just I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um It'd be it'd be interesting if that was the way. Yeah. But unfortunately it's not. Do you think that it's possible there are hidden messages like some cryptics? inside of here that maybe it's you know like you're saying you started this off do your own research and Mm -hmm. things like this right is it possible that there is another way even though jesus said this that he put in an easter egg that oh you see that play huh Huh? Huh? i I get it then he put in an easter egg and he's like all right so i told everybody this but there's actually another way and buddhism bam that's it but I'm not going to tell everybody this, but I'm telling everybody it's just me. But realistically, you know, just for those that really, really seek and they find this. <laughs> yeah, we're going to let them in, too. I'm going to I'm going to keep referencing the Bible here. But um, <laughs> that's, a safe, that's a good safe play. Yeah, it says, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. No, say the question again. You're running back. <laughs> All right, we're running back. We're running back. Could Jesus have put in some Easter eggs, even though he said out loud publicly that I am the only way into heaven, salvation? Could it be possible that 
God was also like, all right, check it out, Jesus. This is the play. You got to go tell these people this the same way that you could have jumped off the cross when they said, jump off now. I will believe in you. We're going to be like, all right, tell them you're the only way. But then for those people who think a little differently, they operate a little differently, but they're still seeking that spirituality, that spiritual pursuit of love and growth and all the things that still fall in line with the Ten Commandments. Because Buddhism does fall in line, the belief system, would you agree that? It, yeah. Yeah, it falls in line with the Ten Commandments of Christianity. So he's like, all right. I mean, I don't know a ton about Buddhism, but I'll, for the sake of this argument, I'll assume that let's assume, they're, this, yeah. they're let's, the same I'm or similar. A, I'm not a... Uh, I would not accuse myself of being a highly knowledgeable person on <laughs> any religion realistically. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier. Like I, I yeah, read a bit of the Bible, read a bit of this, read a bit of that mm-hmm. and learn and listen and talk and all these things. But by no means am I, am I an expert in any of this, but I do like to think and have thought experiments. And here we are. Today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So yeah. Is it possible that there's a, a, a secret passage? that Jesus laid out and he's like, all right, this is for my people. He plants the Easter egg. He's like, all right, for the people that are really aware, they're spiritually in tune. They're pursuing all the right things that Christianity, my way that I vocalize publicly is the way these are people who are pursuing the same thing, but they're just not as mainstream, you know, whatever it is. Is that possible? So I'm the, there is another way to get into heaven i will say that and that way is to be perfect oh and the only person that was ever perfect was jesus and oddly enough he's the only one that is still alive or i mean we're all still alive but he's the only one that's been alive for two thousand years the eternal labor okay so if but none of us are perfect and that's why we need jesus jesus was the sacrifice that like in the old Testament, they used to sacrifice lambs to purify themselves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Jesus was that sacrifice for all of us, that put, our, us. that put his faith, that put their faith in him. Mm-hmm. So Why yeah, if, hold on here. If there's another perfect person out there then they may have gotten there taken into heaven, but there's <laughs> not. I love that. Well, have you met all of the person? That's have a good question. Them? I have not, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if this is the case, back to our point of sacrificing and things like that, mm-hmm. sacrificing murder, mm-hmm. you mean murder? We're going to intentionally commit murder of Jesus mm-hmm. to sacrifice him for the people. Isn't that the same thing as the, the society we talked about earlier, where it's like, this is just what we do. This is how we operate. Well, the, their sacrifice was, was to a false God and their sacrifice. I mean, do not sacrifice your children to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Not at all what I'm saying. I'm so glad you cleared that up because <laughs> in the world where a warning sticker needs to be put on Tide Pods, yeah. that's probably it's, an it's, important decision yeah, to a, make. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ashamed that I have to say that, but just so that you don't think that I'm telling you to sacrifice your children to Jesus. That's not okay, what I'm saying. Go on. But um, their sacrifice was to a false god. And back then, the Old Testament, it, w- it wasn't f- necessarily finished, but there was the um, Mosaic law that taught you what to sacrifice, uh, when to do it, why to do it, and things like that. Yeah. And sacrificing your children to a, a bull was not one of those laws. Even if the bull was warm. Even, especially if the bull was especially warm. Especially so. Especially if the bull yeah. was warm. <laughs> okay. 
I think you've made a great case for Christianity. I hope so. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. I am. I'm not stating what my actual position is on here. I'm I'm open to these discussions, but I mm-hmm. like to have a little bit of mystery about the suspense. Me. The suspense. The world may never know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not stating what my position is or is not. But what I will say in winding this down, Xavier Thomas, the heavyweight champion of WWJD, <laughs> uh, I think I think you did very well, especially you know where you are in your pursuit of things. Can you just share with us a little bit about what your overall goal is in your pursuit right now in life and kind of long-term perspectives of how you see your life going not just religiously, but if that's tied in, great. <clears throat> Share a little bit, because I think it's pretty fascinating that the ideas you've shared lately, and I encourage everything about this because I truly believe there's value. Any religion that I've ever looked at or exp- explored or learned about or anything, there's so much value for so many people. And I think this is one thing that's hard for a lot of extreme followers of anything to, to understand is to be able to say, you know what, that thing, it's not for me, but I do see value in it, especially for those people that choose to pursue it in this way or that way or whatever the case may be. And I think this is, I think Christianity, I think your pursuit of this, I think this is one of those where whatever my belief is, there's so much value that you can provide to people and help improve lives, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call the God, the universe, or whatever you want to call your experience spiritually. I think there's so much value in guiding people into better choices in life right there again how to get people to not murder yeah you know that this is a semi universally agreed upon um the universal moral don't yeah. kill right and, i will say that i do agree that there is value in terms of self-satisfaction and making living the best moral life you can in other religions but i mean my stance stays pretty harsh that there is no salvation in those things it's just pleasuring to yourself and to your your own flesh i guess you can say Mm -hmm. okay that's that's a fair position for you to hold now (laughs) i think that's what i have to hold (laughs) (laughs) hey you know that's good you're doing your best to live true to you know your belief system and your what you're choosing to worship or what you feel is the right way and everything like that. It's beautiful. So share with us, tell us what you are planning. You've not, is it not even planning, but what you're doing right now, right at school, for example, mm-hmm. and, and what you're aiming to do in the future and how people can kind of follow along in the journey as it, as you pursue these things or as these things change in your pursuit of growth. Yeah. So I'll start with what I'm doing at school right now. Every early release day we have, uh, I, I'm the leader of a Bible study club. Um, I'm president of it. I like that title. Um, <laughs> yes. And I think that's helping me grow in my ministry dream. Like the ultimate dream is to uh, go around the world and travel and to encourage others to put their faith in Jesus. And my ultimate goal is to see just a ton of people put their faith in Jesus, find freedom that I found. And um, I'm going to start, this is going to be the first YouTube video of my channel. And uh, not quite sure what it'll be named yet, but you can follow me on Instagram and 
at Xavier underscore dot Thomas out and I will post the name when I figure it out on my story or make it a post or whatever. And um, yeah, this is going to be the first episode or the first video that I'm going to put out. It'll probably, I can honestly probably make multiple videos about this. For sure you can. So yeah. And if you want to follow along my journey, just follow me on Instagram. And then when it comes out, uh, when the YouTube comes out, I'll post that on my Instagram or on TikTok. Ooh. I'll, yeah, TikTok. I forgot what my TikTok is, though. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. Here, we'll make it simple. If you're listening to this, you have a direct line to me, and you can reach out to me and ask the questions. Hey, how do I follow that little nephew of yours <laughs> that was talking about our dude Jesus and Christianity <laughs> and all this stuff? How do I get a hold of that guy? If you don't recall or can't find Xavier online, by all means, send me a message. I'll connect you and, and send you all of his goods that you're looking to follow along. And I'm excited to see the journey of growth. And if you do end up, whatever you end up creating for your world of, of pursuing ministering to the people, I think I think it's going to be pretty valuable for a lot of people. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's very cool. Provide value. You've got to add value. Value. That's right. That's right. You've got I'll to say add one value. More time. Value. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. Anything else you want to share? You want to your thoughts on how this felt? You started this very nervous. I was. I still. I, I'd say I'm still a little bit nervous. I'm okay. A little jittery. <laughs> That's okay. Anything else you want to share that you're like? Oh, you take. Feel free. Take a look at your notes that you're like. Oh man, I just wanted to hit this. I wanted to hit this one more point. There's something that I forgot. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of hoping you would bring this up, mm. but you didn't. We had a talk on the drive when we were in Arizona. You said, and this stuck with me. This was like, holy crap, because I didn't know how to answer it. You said that the Bible is like a game of telephone. And mm. I was like, holy crap, what do I even say right now? <laughs> yeah. So, so for context, we were talking about historical books and and. Yeah. And I didn't say the Bible is a game of telephone, but no, I, you said, I, said, yeah, I've, I misquoted you. I'll say that. Yeah. So we were just talking about how the Bible is written over many decades, centuries even. Yeah. And that the, when you think of the game of telephone, even people sitting in the same room in the same era at the same time in the same very moment, one message, one sentence that's said to the first person it goes through the room, game of telephone, pass it on, pass it on. And it, by the last person, however many, 30, 50 people, whatever. Yeah. The message is pretty significantly different. Way different. Very different. Yeah. And so the the question was, you know, what are your thoughts about the Bible being written over so many different years among so many different people? And not only that, but the many different versions mm-hmm. of the Bible over the years versus my best understanding of the Quran is that it is unchanged yeah. from its inception. Right. So okay. that was that to, to bring this together. That's what yeah. it was. I wasn't saying the Bible is a game of telephone. Yeah, that, was, was, that was my bad. I was making a connection here though, <laughs> yeah. of just a, a simple curiosity of, of, mm-hmm. you know, what do you make of this? Okay. So I'm so glad that I looked this up because like I said, it literally, like there was times where I was just thinking about it. Like, how do I even answer this question? Mm. So I did some research the day before yesterday and I found that there was a document written. It's called the Masoretic text and it was from 950 CE or AD. CE just means current era. And uh, that has the entire Old Testament and... um 
some of the New Testament, I think. And then the Dead Sea Scrolls were found to be from 300 BC and 100 AD. And the Dead Sea Scrolls contained the first, I wish I wrote this down. It was, it was like the first five books and then some of the prophetic books of the Bible. And they matched up the Dead Sea Scrolls to the Masoretic text, which are thousands of years apart, or I think a couple hundred, like half a, half a thousand it, years. It's over a thousand years. Cause there, there's some from 300 BC and then it's like 980. Oh yeah. Okay. And so, uh, and those matched up perfectly. The only thing that was, the only thing that was different was spelling and some grammatical errors or differences mm-hmm. and everything else was translate or not translated was, uh, like perfect in terms of theology and in terms of what the laws were and things like that. So what you're saying is these documents spanning over a thousand years Mm -hmm. in separation were not misconstrued. Misconstrued. (laughs) They didn't screw it up. (laughs) But these were, these were in fact in sync. Yes. Okay. And then we can, since we found those, we can have the translations that we have today, which, um, they have done that. They've been translating the Dead Sea Scrolls to what we have. And they actually found that there is errors in, I think it was the old King James Bible, because when they wrote the King James Bible, they only had like 50 manuscripts mm-hmm. of what the Bible originally said. And they didn't have all of, uh, they didn't have, they had all of the Bible, but they didn't have all of the um, ability to cross-reference it with other written manuscripts that they had. And so when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, when the Masoretic text was found, all these other texts ranging from 300 BC to, to uh, 900 AD that we've, we've found and found that they were accurate, we've now translated new versions of the Bible, such as like ESV, uh, New King James, NIV, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that so- was my little nugget. And I was so glad to find. <laughs> well, I'm glad you shared because yeah. how how rough would you have felt if we wrapped this up and you didn't get to share that? I, I'm <laughs> glad. I let's just say I'm very glad that you allowed me to present one more piece of evidence because <laughs> I would have been like, no. <laughs> you just you missed your strongest hand. Yeah. Okay. Well, last question for you: mm-hmm. the versions of the Bible that you just stated that are all non misconstrued (laughs) let's make this a word guys (laughs) let's do it i'm behind it i'm behind (laughs) it uh so those those varying versions you just stated are those all identical how they're written uh why different versions if they're identical i guess the different versions are they all say in like theologically they all say the same thing it's a matter of making it make sense to the generation that we're in now. So like, we don't use we don't use words like thy, thou. Yeah. We say like the. Yeah. So instead of saying thy will be done, we say your will, your will be done. Yeah. It's okay. just things like that. Okay. So in the present versions, it's still the same things. It's just yeah. adjusting for the lingo, like misconstrued. Yeah. Got it. That'll, that'll be in there one day. It's going to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Uh, I had a blast again. I hope uh, if you're listening to this at this point, this did run a little bit longer than I, I typically try to make the episodes, but I had a blast with it. I hope you guys found some value in this 
And as always, much love, Xavier, for joining. Thank yep. you, good sir. This was a good time. It was fun. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too rough. No, at first it was, uh, but now it's fine. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, thank you guys for listening. That's it for now. <laughs> Much love. Peace. Adios. Ooh. I've got to tell you, I'm genuinely proud. As an uncle to see my nephew grow his brain and heart through different challenges like this, whatever it is that you believe in, I hope that you open up to being challenged like this, to hold whatever it is that you're believing in up against worthy, variable measure. So open yourself to debates. If you believe something, that's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be right. It's okay to not know. But definitely open yourself up to challenge. Pursue it passionately, and there is no failure in trying or challenging yourself. There's only lessons. As always, thank you to my editor, Phil, my partner, Jeanette, and especially to you, the folks that keep engaging and sharing time with us. If you're open to supporting this podcast, go to anthonyjthomas.com slash podcast and click the donate button. Every single dollar helps to keep this going and growing. And I got to tell you, it is absolutely an incredible feeling when I get an email that comes in that says someone subscribed to be a monthly donor and it does not matter whatever the amount I'm telling you every little bit helps and my aim is to capture that feeling and send it right back out to every one of you x-man keep challenging yourself pay attention to the folks who have already done the things that you're aiming to achieve and know that you have the power to shape the future Much love. Peace.